0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, Organizational Development Strategist, DEIB Thought Leader, and your run-of-the-mill HR consultant. And I'm so honored and so pleased to have today's guest with me today. She is going to share some tips in terms of the problems that she solves that every single one of us, myself included, can benefit from. I'm so honored to have Sabine Gideon here today. Sabine, I'm going to hand the mic over to you and have you formally introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Taina. Uh, Sabine Gideon here. I am the CEO and founder of Gideon Enterprises. And like Dr. Taina, I wear a lot of hats uh, within the business. Uh, first and foremost, executive and leadership uh, development consultant. I serve organizations and individuals, um, and I also am an author and a speaker and whatever my clients need, depending on the day. Um, for the most part, my, uh, my clients are organizations, and so I work with organizations of all sizes who are looking to up-level, up-skill, and build stronger benches for their leadership and their emerging talent.
0: Right. And what problem would you say you solve?
1: Oh, the biggest problem now is helping organizations, um, well, ho- helping the individuals within organizations, but the organizations are or my clients, uh, really strengthen their leadership bench. Um, you know, right now and, and quite for quite some time now, we've been at a space where uh, talent, cha- talent shortages have been a challenge for organizations. And while we hear a lot about the layoffs that are taking place and, you know, the the separations, a lot of industries, a lot of traditional industries are really struggling when it comes to not just bringing talent in, but finding ways and finding time and space and resources to support the development of their talents, specifically emerging leaders and women uh, within their organizations and building those pipelines.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. I've been in HR for over 30 years, and that's something that has continued to be a focus for organizations and for leaders. And and I don't think there's any silver bullet or secret sauce to get it right. Um, So what are some of the tools and tricks and strategies that you are able to walk them through so that they are able to have that strong bench, have those strong uh, leaders in their pipeline?
1: Yeah, great question. So um, I can answer this from the perspective of, of the two, two demographics I serve. So when it comes to women, um, right, we're seeing a lot more leadership development programs that are targeting women specifically or specifically designed for women. There's a reason for that. You know, while we can say that leadership is, is universal, but the way we show up as leaders is different. And we're moving away from the space where, you know, a lot of the the boomers, their leadership style was very much command and control. And as millennials have come into the workforce and now Gen Z, the uh, model of leadership that perhaps you and I were introduced to when we came into corporate, it no longer works. And Good. if we're being honest, it didn't work for us either. <laughs> That's right. I yes. still have workplace trauma. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. And so- now it's the understanding that, you know, where, and I'm sure as a former HR person, you know, when we looked at competencies before, right, it was around business acumen and strategy. And now the narrative is, okay, well, the competencies that we need are empathy, compassion, communication. And so these are the, I'm not saying that it's not natural to men, it's just more natural to women. Mm-hmm. These are the natural skills that we possess. And so for a very long time, the narrative were, oh, yeah, those are soft skills, yeah. or those are nice to have, they're not necessities. And now organizations are require, are realizing that, oh, no, we're They are necessities. And so you're seeing a lot more leadership programs designed towards women to help them build or rebuild the confidence that has been lost over decades of being told that, you know, you you being nice or you being compassionate is not, you know, a value add to this organization. So that's on that piece. And then the emerging leaders, you look at it, baby boomers are about 20% of the uh, workforce now, and millennials are about uh, 40%. Gen Z is about 5% and 50% of them are not are electing not to go into traditional workforces. Mm -hmm. And so as you're looking at the workforce, the people who are holding the spaces at the leadership levels, they're leaving. Um, 2030 is is the estimated uh, timeframe of when most boomers will be out of the workforce. And so because they've sat in those seats for so long. There hasn't been a lot of effort made towards a, well, let's look down the pipeline and let's start building leaders because um, you have a, a bunch of uh, Gen Xers who are ready to take the leadership realms, similar to um, to millennials, which make up about between the two of them 70%. So now organizations are saying, okay, well, you know what? We've thrown all of these leaders into leadership roles, right? Didn't give them any tools, any resources, any training, they're burnt out, they're leaving at high numbers. And now we're looking down the pipeline or we're looking at this you know succession plan and we don't have anyone prepared. So now they're starting to look at how do we position even the you know hypos and the emerging leaders to step into leadership uh, positions, not just because, okay, you're great at your role, but also giving them the training and the tools so that they can be effective because the landscape of leadership in organizations has shifted so drastically.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that's something that I've seen as well is that oftentimes they will promote someone to a manager because they're good at their job, but they're not good at managing people. And I tell people, you know, as a manager, 75% of your role is managing people, right? You're no longer this transactional individual contributor. You really are someone who your focus is managing and developing the next group of employees to, you know, basically find your replacement at some point. And if that's not where you're spending your time, then you will be ineffective, and the employees will feel it because they won't feel that you care about them, that you value them, that you respect them. They're just another cog in the wheel, and they're to just trans, you know, transactional, right? Just get the task done, move on. I'm not developing you. I don't have time to coach you, and that's unfortunate because this next, these next two generations, in particular, the younger millennials. And Gen Z, that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, senior leaders tell me, oh, we have to coddle them, or it's like they want, um, you know, their parents at work. And I'm like, that's not what they're asking for or looking for. Nor is it what they expect. They want to be treated with respect and valued, and they want to have a voice, and they want to be able to take, you know, calculated risk without, you know, being humiliated or in some ways disenfranchised in their development. And if that's not happening, then they're going to leave, right? Because they don't, they're not like, I'm a Gen Xer. They're not the Gen Xers where we'll just sit there and churn and burn and just deal with it. And oh my God, I got, you know, the mortgage, I got kids in school, I can't lose my job. They're like, okay, next.
1: <laughs> right, right. Because they, they're, they don't have that I work to live mindset, mm-hmm. right? It's that I live well, no, I live to work mindset It's that I work to live and they are all about the experiences, which, you know, on one hand, you know, it can, it can feel, um, (laughs) it can feel like a bit much, but on the other hand, I'm like, I admire them. I admire them for being so confident in commanding what it is that they want or need. And it's in their boldness, that is actually shifting, you know, the workplace environment for all of the generations. I, I truly believe that the things that are being asked and I'm a millennial. And I remember coming into work, the workforce. And it was just like, the narrative was, Oh my gosh, these millennials are so entitled. They want to be coached. They want feedback. Oh my gosh, God forbid, God forbid we want to be coached and want feedback. And then now the Zers it's like, Oh, now they don't want to work. They want to do their own thing. They want all this flexibility where if you ask boomers, they're going to tell you they want the same things. But exactly. when they came into the workforce, that wasn't an option. That wasn't the narrative. And so they just went with the flow. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Xers. And so I just think that we're at this like cusp, if you will, of seeing the shift in the employees being the ones who are kind of really informing what the strategic the workforce strategy looks like versus this top-down approach of this is what we need this is what we're doing and yeah they're they're people who are getting the work done but they're just the workers versus no these are human beings mm-hmm. who are giving of their time giving of their expertise to help you fulfill a particular mission and they ought to be treated that way
0: yeah yeah I agree with you. I tell people all the time. I am so jealous of Gen Z, Gen Y, and Gen Z. I kind of wish I was born later so that I could, you know, benefit from all the work of the Xers and the Boomers. But that's okay. I'm here now. I'm here now. You know, the other thing I notice about um, the workforce is, although unfortunate and tragic, I feel that COVID nineteen had to happen. I feel like, from a workplace perspective, I'm speaking about specifically, not, you know, of course, the catastrophic loss to life that we experienced and the downturn of the economies around the world, but in terms of its impact on the workplace, especially for those who are, you know, not in the service industry in particular. So I'm speaking specifically about white collar workers. I think that had to happen to upset corporate America, to help them learn how to do business differently, to prepare for this next generation. Because, but for that happening, I think things would have remained status quo. I think Gen Zers and, uh, you know, the millennials would have been kind of forced to go into the model that has always been. And they would have had a much more challenging um, way of disrupting and changing the way we do work, how we do work, where we do work. So I feel like that had to happen because a lot of companies, of course, had to go remote for the first time, and that was something that Gen Zers and and uh, millennials in particular were saying. I want a flexible work schedule. I, I don't. Why do I have to be in the office every day if I have a laptop, cell phone, and Wi Fi? Well, because I need to see you in the office. Well, why? Like, am I being engaged on my presence or my productivity? So now I think there's been a shift where organizations, although not all of them, and some of them are starting to try to switch it back and they're having a lot of problems doing that are now faced with, okay, let's manage and work and measure productivity, not someone's attendance, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's a challenge, but I think as we get further and further along in this this particular decade, uh we're going to see more and more of that. I mean, when you look at any of the movies that's based in the future, you don't see people sitting in an office. <laughs> right. So
1: I think, you know, there's there's some reality to the art
0: in that perspective in terms of where we're going. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: I agree. So a, a couple of things that have come through, you know, when you think about I total I'm in total agreement with you around, you know, there are many blessings that came out of the pandemic. And, you know, as we're thinking about it from the, the generational standpoint, you know, if we break it down and this is your wheelhouse too, you look at, you know, women, right? Women who were like balancing a full-time job and a full-time job at home um, and all of the PTA and all the community stuff that they had, right? And so when, when the great resignation, when they started tallying the numbers, we saw that the majority of the people who were leaving the workforce were women, why? Because the overwhelming demands of you know, being in the workplace, being school teachers, being caretakers for you know, elderly parents or elderly relatives became too much. And so it gave a space for women to look at, okay, what am I doing this for? Like, is this time for me? Like, do I need to reprioritize or better yet? Do I just need to take a break? So that I can evaluate what's important to me and what's a priority right now. And then you look at underrepresented groups or employees from underrepresented groups, right? We hear now you look at the statistics like the number of underrepresented minorities who don't want to be in an office versus Mm -hmm. their white counterparts is Ridiculous. Why? Because of the microaggressions and, you know, all of the stuff that was happening in the workplace that again, we were just taught to suck it up and learn how to navigate the unwritten rules of corporate America. So it benefited not just, you know, Gen Z and millennials, but when we dig a little deeper, who are the people who are really struggling, I wouldn't say struggling, who are the most challenged in the traditional environment, we see that they, they Raise their hands as soon as things started to happen and say, okay, I want something different. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then the other thing that I would say is, you know, for the organizations who have been reverting back to Oh, let's all come in the office. I'm curious, I I would love to like be a fly on the wall. What was your onboarding plan? right? Because I think that that's a huge piece. Uh, A lot of them are claiming, you know, lack of connectivity Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's losing the culture and all this other stuff. And I was just like, okay, well, I get that three years ago, we all had to like, you know, on drop of a dime, like work from home. You've had three years to build up a thorough onboarding plan that would support the same level of nurturing, the same level of community building, the same level of all these things, right? You didn't prioritize that. So now if people are feeling disconnected or you're not seeing the productivity, my question to you was, were they set up for that to begin with? Um, Mm -hmm. I've worked with clients who, you know, they, they've never been in an office, like they started remote and they'll tell you the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, it's cool. We have Slack, we have these things, but some companies, they already had a buddy system planned out. Like they they set their people up. They're still remote. The ones who are like, oh, let's backtrack. It's not because you're not, it, it's not because the employees or remote work or hybrid work isn't working. It's because you haven't invested in solving the right problem with regards to that. That's just my opinion.
0: Drop the mic. <laughs> you are inside my head. These are things that I have said to clients. These are things that my team and I talk about when we have clients that are trying to force everyone back into the office. And my first question is, why? Why do you want to do it? What problem are you trying to solve? Okay. Is that the root cause of the problem that everyone's not in the office? I don't think so. I don't think so. To your point, they were able to do it pretty effectively when we were forced to do it for medical reasons. And now they're like, oh, the CEO now feels like, well, I miss everyone. I want to be back in the office. Well, that's a you problem. Like that's not a there. Right. Like, okay. You're tired of being at home. Okay. That's a you problem. That's not a, their problem. Oh, uh, they're laying around on their couch in their pajamas, but are they being productive? Have they missed a deadline? Like when I start asking those questions, you know, it's kind of like back in into mental corner and they're like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying. Does this sound, sound feels a little self-centered here, but I just feel, okay. You feel, okay. Let's assess your employees and see how they feel. And it's been about a 50-50 split when we do the assessment of the amount of employees that want to come back in the office full time or some sort of hybrid schedule versus those that are like, nope, I'm good where I'm at. And if they try to force people back, what they see is turnover. You know, people tap out.
1: Yep. And I was having a conversation with someone um, not too long ago and, and she she owns a HR consultancy. And you know her her position was I'm I'm a hardcore Gen Xer and I believe everybody should be in the office and da 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 da. And you know I, again this is at a networking event so you can only you can only okay. poke the bear so much. Um, so I was just like okay well help me understand what the philosophy is. And she was just like well so much happens you know in the workplace right where like you can connect with people you can collaborate like you know the water cooler conversations yeah. and da da da. And I was like I get that. It is what you're familiar with. It is the experience that you have always had. And our, naturally, our subconscious mind likes to keep us safe and likes to yep. keep us in the familiar. The next generation coming up, that has not been their experience. The ones that are in the workforce now, like they spent college online. They weren't yep. even on a campus. So mm-hmm. the values or the things that made sense to you because that's what you were accustomed to they don't have any frame of reference for that like I think about you know uh I have a niece she's 16 you know I didn't get I didn't get a computer until I think I was like 18 or 19 and that was like oh my gosh she's had a device her entire life and so it's (laughs) Right. And so it's, it's the lack of awareness that, yeah. okay, yes, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm used to, but let's take a step back and say, okay, is that you're not always going to be here. Mm-hmm. And if you want to attract the people who you want to attract, what has their life experience been like? Um, And I think it's just, we're at this weird place where, you know, leaders are thinking that, oh, this is what's going to, you know, build the business and, you know, The revenue. And it's just like, no, you're still trying to go back to 2019 and we can't go back to 2019.
0: Yep. I tell them the same thing. I'm like, 2019 left us a while ago. Like, you got to let it go. If you haven't moved on by now, then you're behind the eight ball, right? Right. And those aren't the companies that employees are are applying to, or those aren't the ones when they get there, they're like, okay, this is not what I thought it was. And they leave. And so yeah, you're right. They got to kind of catch up with the times. And you know, I was looking at an article about sales, Salesforce, for instance. Now. They laid off a whole bunch of people, like 10% of their workforce, and now they just announced we're hiring 3,000 people. Why? Because they realized that the business model that they had before isn't effective and it's not going to get them ahead. They now have to shift gears and look more at AI. And so because they're focused on artificial intelligence, they're building a whole new part of the business now to focus on that because that's the way technology is going. So a big company like Salesforce gets it where they're like, okay, we have to change our entire business model. That means we have to eliminate positions that we've had all this time that really aren't going to be effective or efficient to get us there. We have to create new positions. And oh, by the way, hire 3,000 people so that we can now get the work done that's going to get us into the future. I think the same thing applies for every organization. They really need to stop and pause to say, where do we want to be in the next five to 10 years? And who's going to get us there? What's that workforce going to look like? And what do we do now to make certain that we have the workforce that we need when we get there? So we're not like backtracking and constantly trying to, you know, uh, what do you call it, fill a, a, a well. Right. And so I think that's, you know, just another way for people and, and particular leaders, I'll uh, say Gen Xers, Gen Xers and boomers to rethink um, the future of work.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we can get so caught up or people I don't people can get so caught up in the media narrative. Right. Like, oh, they're laying off all these people and da 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 da. And there's never there's rarely ever any conversation around what is the business decision, what is really driving that. You look at you know Microsoft and Amazon and, and Facebook even during the pandemic when you know people started leaving in droves, they were hiring and not only were they hiring a lot of people, to fill those gaps, but they were hiring them at these inflated salaries. Like people were coming out of college, barely with six figures, mid six figures. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, or not mid six figures, but like over a hundred thousand. So, you know, what people don't realize is that now that, you know, things have started to settle out some of these decisions were made to undo some decisions that were made a couple years ago. Yep. It's not that, you know, the, this narrative of, oh, it's a horrible economy and this, mm-hmm. da da da. And I'm gonna, like, the economy has nothing to do with this. Like, yep. people are the smart ones, right? They're making decisions of where do we allocate our resources and where is that best? And I think that as organizations continue to be involved, especially in the next six and a half years, Certain industries, like if they're not doing this work now, I just I'm I'm almost afraid. Like you look at uh healthcare, traditional healthcare, mm-hmm. you look at education, you look at even the financial services uh companies, right? Manufacturing, they have always, I think, had this mindset of we'll always have employees because you always had employees. Well, yep. guess what? These aren't, first of all, from a compensation perspective, from uh um advancement in terms of innovation, right? Like these aren't the companies that millennials or even Gen Xers are, um, not Gen Xers, um, Gen Zers are looking to join. So the question is like, mm-hmm. how are you going to build out your workforce? You can't do your work without a workforce.
0: Right. And there's only but so many Gen Xers, by the way.
1: <laughs> right.
0: We, we were the smallest group to enter the workforce. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So this has been great. I really, I could spend all day talking to you about this. Um right. But I know that you're going to be speaking at Talent Connect, the LinkedIn Talent Connect conference that's taking place uh, in October in New York. So tell us a little bit about what mics are you going to drop over there? What kind of nuggets can people expect to hear from you?
1: Yeah, a lot of what we talked about today, I mean, we're, you know, they're looking at how do we continue to develop the talent that we do have? I think some organizations are smart. Where they're realizing that this is not the time to be focused on buying talent, but rather developing um, and growing the talent that we have in house. So speaking to what are some of the strategies that are working uh, across industries. uh, What are some of the challenges that exist because there are a lot of challenges, and how do you create a work or culture that is focused on learning and development. Um, And ironically enough, it requires a lot of unlearning of, you know, cultural norms to be able to get to that place. And so we'll be dropping some nuggets. Uh, Dorna Erickson and I um, will be speaking to the group around, hey, this is the let's start to think of the workforce of the future. And what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about right now to make sure that the organizations or those who are in the room are going back to their organizations and starting to put things in play now versus waiting until, you know, some other big uh, global challenge.
0: Oh Well, 2025 is the next big year everybody's looking at, right? I remember even back in 2020, people were like, oh, we want to do a five-year plan for 2020. So for whatever reason, 2025 is like on the mindset of organizations as this big pivotal moment. I can't wait to get there and see what happens. Like what have they done over the last five years to... Again, really prepare for the workforce that they're gonna have, which is gonna be primarily the younger Xers, millennials, and then Gen Zers. Yeah. So tell everyone how can they find you? What's the best way to reach you? Tell them your website. Tell them everything.
1: Yes. So I, I'm I live on LinkedIn. Uh so you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh the uh, handle is Sabine Gideon, my full name. Uh, And then also SabineGideon.com. And I've also just recently published a book, Leadership Reloaded. um, And it's focused on reimagining, redefining, and rehumanizing leadership. Um, So it goes from the lens of, you know, women who are looking to uh, climb up the ladder, as well as what organizations who are interested in building a stronger pipeline of women leaders can do and can begin to do to help support that.
0: And how can they find your book?
1: Oh, they can find the book on Amazon. It's available in paperback and Kindle.
0: Okay, and it's lead her ship, Reloaded. Yes, ma'am. Okay, Sabine, thank you so much for spending time with me here at Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. Everyone, please go follow her, look at her website, go purchase her book. If you're in New York in October, go to the LinkedIn Talent Connect so you can dig deeper into what we talked about here today. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Tana M. Session. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret.
1: Thank you, Dr. Tana.
0: Thank you.